You're listening to 103.5 FM, The Sun Community Radio, WLSPLP, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and you're in Homeroom with Brad Seren. Hi, Brad. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing great. My name's Todd Molesky. That's Brad Seren. He's superintendent of the Sun Prairie Area School District. I am. And we are thrilled to be joined today by Eric Nee, the Athletic and Activities Director for Sun Prairie, and a man who has a lot going on right now. Always. 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 All right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. But uh, right now, especially with trying to you know, manage what athletics and activities look like in the pandemic. Uh, Eric, thanks for being with us. First of all, uh, glad you could take some of the t- some of your time to to help fill us in on kind of what's going on. So let's start with that. What's going on uh, on your plate right now in terms of uh, how everything's managed? Uh, we know fall sports were put off. Some of them are able to practice. Can, just kind of fill us in on where that all stands right now. Yeah, so right now, Todd, and thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Um, Right now, we are starting on Monday, so the 19th of October, we are going to enter into our our, what we call our plan for athletics phase two. Um, Right now, none of our winter sports are scheduled to start up until November 16th and then November 23rd. So in that time, the WIA has allowed us to have some contact with our kids. Um, Now, as we move towards our student support hubs throughout the school district, uh, on the 19th, so next Monday is when we're moving towards our, our three, third grade through 12th grade um, student support hubs. And at that same time, we are also going to start to do some small cohort groups with athletics. Um, what I mean by that is that is skill and drill work. You know, we're not talking about full out practices. Um, we're not talking about inner squad scrimmages or competitions. Um, but we're talking about small cohort groups that at no time can be larger than 10 individuals. So you could have nine kids, one coach, there's your 10. And those cohorts have to stay together at all times. So you're going to have like cohort A, cohort B, cohort C. And throughout this entire time, they will shuffle through together as a cohort group. Um, Right now, the weather is still working with us. So we're going to have our kids outside or our groups outside as much as possible. But we know, obviously, some sports specific, and I'll use swimming, for example, you know, or basketball, you know, they're going to be inside for theirs. you know, during their time. So I'll use basketball, basketball as an example. The kids are going to come in one of our doors, they'll walk down our athletic hallway area, walk into the gymnasium, and each kid's going to be assigned a basketball hoop. You know, you know, Coach Booz or whatever, Coach Olson might be in the middle giving instructions, um, giving drills. Those kids will stay at their hoop the entire time. They'll keep that basketball that entire time. There is no shared equipment um, during this time. You know, so kids literally are doing individual work. 45 minutes is up, you know, the kids will walk out. We have the large set of doors at our gymnasium, you know, and then about 15 minutes later, we'll have a new group that's going to come in, you know, the break in between so we can disinfect the equipment, you know, because obviously basketballs will be shared in between, you know, groups. So that's why we have that downtime to make sure that they're, they're clean, you know, and and throughout this whole process, you know, we've worked with, you know, our, our, our sports guidelines with DHS, um, you know, we we put together our own Sun Prairie Return Athletics. You know, it went out to all of our families, all of our coaches, went out to everybody that outlines everything that they need to know from the social distancing to bringing your own water bottle to the um, to just everything that they need to know. You know, and we use our, our screening checklist, you know, just like we asked the kids with student support hubs to go through the screening checklist prior to coming in. You know, we're asking our families to do the same thing with athletics, you know, and if you check yes, you're not coming in that day. Um, you know, so it, 
the coaches, you know, have worked really hard to make sure they've got all their plans and everything procedures in place. Um, you know, and we're excited to get back to, you know, being able to offer this to our kids. You know, they need that outlet. Um, they're excited to get back together um, in a safe manner. You know, and I think most importantly, when I just said safe there, we can do this safely. You know, I have confidence that we will do this safely, um, you know, and, and that our kids will stay healthy um, by what we have, our guidelines we have put in place at this time. Brad, go ahead. Yeah, one of the interesting things just about the this whole process is that, um, you know, when the state went through the like the disagreements of who is going to put out guidelines relative to how all schools function across the state, what ended up to be uh, what's happening right now is that individual counties submit guidelines for athletics and also schools. So, and that's really complicated because you can drive across highway, you know, 21 in the state and see some schools that are actually practicing out on the fields, or you can tune into the news and see, you know, reports of uh, actual teams uh, competing. And, uh, and there are some, some, you know, uh, uh, school districts that are doing that. However, in Dane County, um, the public health Madison Dane County in conjunction with the, like Eric said, the DHS, with, which is the Wisconsin Department of Health Services, have, have really set out a set of guidelines for Dane County that are different than what you might see in Waukesha County or, or in Brown County or in La Crosse County or Chippewa County. And so, and so what, what you see here is in direct alignment with what the epidemiologists and public health experts at Public Health Madison Dane County have really required the school district and all school district, all schools in uh, inside of uh, Dane County to to do. And so, like, it's just important for people to know that this isn't something that you know Eric or or me that we cooked up in our office or anything like that. Uh, this is something that we're liable to follow. And I know that uh, my. My son Max is a senior, and he missed out on track last uh, uh, last spring. And of course, he's struggling to try to uh, figure out how he can get back into cross country from the fall. And uh, and my daughter uh, was in dance too. And so, like the the implications of this just aren't something that we don't personally feel too. Um, but it is something that is guided by uh, Public Health Madison Dane County. And Brad, you touched on this a little bit that there is some confusion out there of you know you can drive from you know down one street and in five minutes have two different rules and regulations to follow. That's got to be confusing, Eric. When you're dealing, I mean, even even, with, even within the Big Ten, you've got two different counties, correct? I mean, Dane County, Rock County, with the the Janesville schools in Beloit. I mean, that's. I I would imagine that has to play a lot into your guys' discussion as as a conference group, and then even into the WIA group where you're talking about you know 72 different counties of of regulations. Uh, how do you come up with with common ground in there, or maybe it isn't common ground. It's as as common as you can get. Yeah, um, you know, within the, within the Big Eight, yeah, we we do cover Rock County, you know, with the Janesvilles and the Beloit School. Um, you know, and then you, the rest of us are in Dane County, you know, f- the stance we've taken, um, you know, fr- from our end within the Big Eight is, you know, if, if one school or multiple schools within the Big Eight are not able to compete, you know, the conference schedule at that time is put on hold, you know, and then it kind of, I don't want to say it becomes a non-conference schedule, but in a, in a essence, it does, um, you know, and then at that time, so let's say Dane County, we're in a little bit different situation, very similar in the fall, Janesville and the Boyd schools. 
they had schedules set up with like Wilmont, Union Grove, some of those Burlington, those area schools, you know, and then they obviously made the decision to go the alternative fall as well, too, for, for their sports down there. You know, so it is a challenge and it's a challenge in the, the Badger Conference as well, too. The Badger Conference goes over four or five different, you know, county lines there. Um, you know, so we kind of bounce ideas off of one another between the conferences, you know, and that's partially yesterday when we, we met as Big 8 athletic directors. Um, you know, we didn't come out with a statement yesterday um, um, where we stand at this point, simply because not all schools have come forward or come out with their educational plans at this point. You know, currently Madison hasn't. Janesville School hasn't yet, um, you know, and, and everybody's a little different. You know, Verona's using metrics. They are not going to put a end date on, you know, when they possibly will be staying virtual through. So it, it is a challenge, you know, but it's, we got a great group of, um, you know, athletic directors in the Big 8 that do an awesome job of working together. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's about the kids. You know, it's about getting those opportunities when we can give those opportunities to kids, but at the same time also keeping those kids safe too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned cohort groups earlier, and and I'm, I imagine this changes uh, between sport and sport to sport and things like that. I mean, I think of you know, the difference maybe between swimming and football. Uh, you know, football, you're in close competition. When it's competition, you're right up with other people. Swimming, you're in your own lane, right? Um, there's a little bit of that difference sport to sport as well uh, that goes into this. How do those cohort groups uh, you know, how do the sizing of them change, if at all, between sports when you're talking about those? Yeah, great question. So we've taken the stance right now that whether your cohort group is inside or outside, that that limit is 10, you know, so that's, a, you know, whether 10, nine kids, one coach, um, you know, I'll use football as an example here, um, you know, and when they go down to the stadium on Monday to use that Um you know, on a typical football field, you can get three cohort groups in there, you know, safely spaced. Um, and kind of what, you know, Brian and I have worked on is from the end of the goal line out to about the 20, you know, you'll have one cohort group will be in that area, you know, and they got to stay spaced in that area. So you might have the offense alignment in that area and they're just working footwork drills. You know, they're not, there is no contact. They're, they're not breaking that six foot bubble right now in our cohort group. Then you're going to have 10 yards, what we're calling our coaches highway, you know, where Brian will be able to walk up and down that area and he'll be able to keep that safe space away from those players. So he never gets put into a cohort group. Um, then from about the, the 40 to possibly the next 40, you'll have cohort group two. Um, well, that will be in that area. Um, that might be your receivers, your receivers. It's going to be tricky. They're literally probably just running routes, you know, cause they can't catch a ball from a quarterback right now. You know, it's a lot of footwork and running routes for them. Then we'll say there's another 10 yards for coaches highway where Brian can work through that highway, if you want to say two. And then from the end of the goal line out the next 25, 30, you could have cohort group three. Um, you know, and then that might be the quarterback working on drop back, you know, passing to a, a net, you know, and having to retrieve their own ball out of that net. You know, so it, like I said, each one of those groups will have a coach within them. But then Brian will kind of work through those coaches highways. So he never is in a cohort group uh, during that time. You know, and we're lucky enough over there. One cohort group will come in the far side, you know, like what we consider the visitor side. One cohort group is going to come in the main gate, the main ticket gate. Another one's going to come in where the home side, which would be our student entrance typically, you know, to keep them all safely spaced and they'll all have their own paths down to the field. 
You know, so I think that's just what's important to realize how much attention to detail has been put into this, you know, by our coaching staff, you know, to make sure that our kids are safe. You know, so, you know, that's where, you know, when we talk about the contact sport of football, there is no contact right now. You know, we are starting back very restrictive and, you know, with very tight guidelines um, that I think can be reassessed as we go. Um, but right now, um, our most important thing is obviously, yes, getting the kids out there, but keeping them safe right now. I, you can, you mentioned that just the attention to detail that's going into this and you can kind of infer from that how important this is then by the amount of attention that's been given to this. Why maybe speak a bit to why this is so important that even if it's just a practice with nine players and a coach in a cohort, why is that so important to, to have happen? Even as we're in the midst of, you know, rising case numbers and things like that in, in, uh, the state, um, just to have that ability to be out there and do that. Yep. Uh, top two things. Number one, mental health. You know, these kids need to be active. They need to get back out there. They need to be active again. They need to safely. Um, and I know I keep saying safely, they need to safely be around their friends. They need to be safe to be around the coaches. You know, our coaches need it. You know, they went into coaching, they went into teaching for a reason. You know, they love working with kids. Um, you know, so number one, I think is a mental health piece. Number two, the kids need to be active. You know, that's a big piece. When you're active, that obviously leads to, you know, better mental health. Um, you know, right now it's a challenge for our FIAT teachers to get these kids active. Um, you know, and, and the same thing for athletics, we got to get them active again. Sooner or later, you know, we're going to obviously get back into athletics, you know, and I think this is a good step, you know, in, in the right direction. And the third thing is, this is a safe way for our kids to be around when they're in to be active. Um, let's be honest, AAU programs, um, our club teams, those are still going. We know that, you know, summer baseball, summer softball, those were all still going. Um, I firsthand saw how some of the guidelines were implemented during those, um, you know, and I'm not calling anybody out here, but I feel like we can do this safely. I know we can do this safely. Um, you know, so because of those two things, the mental health and the activity piece of it are staying active and knowing that we can do this safely, I would rather provide this safe avenue for our kids um, than having them go, you know, and, and doing this as a pickup game at a park, um, you know, so this kind of gets them back underneath us again. Yep. You're listening. You know, oh, go ahead. This is one of those situations where, you know, every single leader is caught in between like, you know, being accused of being, you know, too careful, not careful enough, you know, we're accused of, you know, giving into, you know, epidemiologists or not listening fully to the epidemiologists, you know, recommendations. And I know that, you know, as, as we talk through this, I was an English teacher and, you know, I, you know, of course have a, you know, degree in leadership, but I don't know the, the, the public safety measures that are appropriate here, which is why we've just taken the stance to say like, we're going to listen to what the epidemiologist recommends and we're going to listen to what the public health experts recommend in Dane County. And we're going to do our best to try to just make sure that we are in alignment with what the experts say. And that's what we can do at this point. Yeah. You're listening to Homeroom on 103.5 The Sun Community Radio, coming to you from the 103.5 The Sun Studios, underwritten by the Bank of Sun Prairie. We're here with Eric Nee, Athletic and Activities Director for Sun Prairie, and we've we could we could go on this topic for for a, a long time, but I, I want to shift uh, just a little bit. You you had talked um, in passing there about 
football being in the stadium and the the bank of sun prairie stadium at ashley field is kind of this jewel in waiting right now um to be shown off to the community uh whenever you know that's able to happen maybe maybe can you just get into where things are at i mean is construction done there is it still kind of finishing up the the punch list where 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 are things at yeah, so at this point, we are waiting out for occupancy. Um, I know that um, Kevin Suko, our facilities and grounds director, um, you know, and Paul Kors are working with the city on some occupancy stuff. Um, so we we do not have 100% occupancy right now. The, the city has said, though, that obviously we can do some practices in there. They have no concerns around that. Um, but I know there's some stuff around, like, security lighting um, that they're trying to work out right now. Um, as part of that, but otherwise you could walk to that stadium and, you know, it's, it's complete, you know, there's a few areas that still need attention, a little details worked out. Um, you know, they're working on our concessions area a little bit right now and Nichols electric is doing a few little things there. Um, but you look at the rest of the stadium, I mean, it, it's complete, you know, we'll still have some wall graphics that are going up in the locker rooms. Um, some benches that have to be delivered, but th- those are the minor details. You know, you, you walk the bleachers now, you walk on the field, um, you know, and everything's in place, uh, you know, and ready to go. And I think the exciting thing is when, when we are able to now, uh, and so this is being recorded on the 15th of October, when we are able to have some of the small groups of, of student athletes and, uh, and coaches on that field, it's going to be one of those moments that we want to capture on, on picture because it'll just be, uh, uh, you know, the promise of the future of having kids and coaches and in that stadium and for it to really be a resource for the community for years to come. Yeah, something that's been a long time coming, obviously, and, and for the city and for the school district. Um, maybe, Eric, can, can you speak to what, how transformational it'll be to have a, a facility like that for uh, not only Sun Prairie High School right now, but in a couple of years, Sun Prairie East and Sun Prairie West to to share. Uh, having an artificial turf field changes a lot, I know, in terms of how much it can be used uh, compared to what Ashley Field was in the past. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, and I'm just going to say, like, you walk down the, the, one of the best spots to stand there, you know, there's, there's, there's the two. It's either up in the top right corner, as you can overlook, and you see the scoreboard um, in a field all in one picture, or that when you're down on the 50, you know, and you look over towards Main Street, and you see the scoreboard and everything on that way, or you look over the other way, and you see the uh, the, the back wall um, there, the entrance area. Um but from our side of it, you got to think in two years, that field will be used every single Friday, um, you know, and that is a, a location to bring everybody together, you know, right there in downtown. Um, and also for us to be able to use that every single Friday, Thursdays, you know, you're either going to have a freshman or a JV game on there, um, you know, and then, you know, in the spring, you, you'll have lacrosse games on there quite often, um, you know, and then the fall in the spring, you're, you'll sprinkle soccer games in there. Um, you know, there's still a lot of soccer coaches that love their true grass, you know, and love the true role of grass, you know, so they always don't like playing on the turf, um, you know, but then, then your, your, uh, your mind really starts to get thinking about, all right, how can we use this for the community? You know, we have the partnership with the bank and, you know, and talking to them, one of the first things they want to do when they can do it is a huge uh, movie night for the community, um, you know, and just all the different ways that the community is going to be able to use this. Um, you know, and we can over t- quickly turn that over, you know, from a Thursday night football game to a Friday night football game. So even youth football on Saturday, 
you know, will there have to be, you know, a little bit of maintenance done in between? Yes, it's there still is maintenance on it and a, a turfed field. You know, it's just a difference. It's not putting grass seed down. It's not fertilizing it or cutting it. It's just different types of maintenance. So it for for the community to have this, um, you know, it's a huge staple, you know, in downtown, um, you know, and it just truly excited for, like Brad said, the first time for any of our athletes to be able to get down onto it. Um, but for the first time for the community to be able to see it, you know, we gave a tour the other day of it, you know, and somebody just stood down, they were standing on the 50 yard line, didn't even say anything, just in awe, like, and they just, we got done and they just go, you know, we could see the pictures. We saw everything, you know, that the, the district was putting out, you know, but until you get down here and you truly get to get that vision of it and you stand on the field, you, you truly don't understand. And I'm still in awe. I've been over there about hundreds of times. You know, and you still there's something every time that catches your eye and it's just like, wow. So I think wow is just the only way to describe it. You know, and uh, so uh, as we finish up and as the city gives the approvals for Findorf to actually hand the keys over to us, one of the things that uh, was an important partnership between the city and the school district was the bike path that goes along the um, the west side of the field and then along the, the north side of the field there. So um so for people that are wondering, you know, they, they can walk along that, that bike path, both on the, on the west and the north side of that field, just to get a peek into the stadium. And of course, there is a fence there uh, and everything, but, but you are able to get a very good view from, from that perspective. Yeah, that's, I had mentioned, uh, and when you go into that field, you notice that one end zone says wolves and one says cardinals, which kind of teases us into the 2022 year when we have Sun Prairie East, Sun Prairie West. Uh, I wanted to ask you about where things stand in terms of planning for that, including conference planning, because uh, as I understand it, there's a proposal to have uh, for football, both of the schools at that point then move from the Big A to the Badger. Uh, Eric, can you can you fill us in on, on where things stand there? Yeah, so we'll start with where we stand for conference placements. Um, so in 22-23, um, for all sports except for football, um, we will stay in the Big Eight. So that was passed unanimously. So uh, back in March or April, um, it took it to the Big Eight. You know, everybody, it was a unanimous decision to welcome some Prairie West in. Um, so in 22-23, we will stay in the Big Eight conference. Now, as a conference, um, we are looking at either expanding or, you know, making changes as a conference, you know, so that might be coming down in the future. Um, but that would be from a conference perspective, and we would have to go through a WA process with that. Um, right now, for football, for football only, um, we had to put together a, a WA conference realignment proposal um, that was submitted this past summer, which included 48 other different 48 other teams across the state, six different conferences um, in the area. You know, with our proposal, which would be moving us to the Badger Large Conference. Um, you know, and when we were looking at all of the pieces of why the Badger Large Conference and why we shifted other schools around down to a conference, um, it was based on our enrollment, you know, and where we'll stand comparable. And our, our enrollment will be comparable to the Wanakees, the Beaver Dams, um, the Watertowns, the ones that are in, that are currently in that Badger Large Conference, you know, and it would be pulling the Janesville schools out of the Badger Large back into the Big A Conference. Um, so, like I said, that proposal actually today's the 15th. It had to be in by the the 15th of October. So today, 
Um, so from here, the WIA will take that. They'll take it to their conference realignment task force. Um, you know, in each school, you know, once I hit that submit button, um, each superintendent, athletic director, and principal from the school got a, an automatic notification from the WI where they can give their feedback on it. I got feedback from conferences and from different schools already, but it's just another step um, that goes into it. So there was a list of stuff that I had to gather from mileage to feedback to uh, the final email that came or the final letter that came from Brad, uh, myself and Keith Nerby, our principal, you know, with our proposal um, that has to be turned into the, the task force. I would expect we'll have a decision probably March or April on what our football conference will look like. Um, you know, they can take my proposal they can make changes to the proposal. Um, Badger conference might have somebody from the Badger might have a proposal, which then means, they'll look at that one first. So they'll always look at individual conference proposals before they'll look at large scale proposals. Um, you know, when I say that, you know, DeForest might be asking to move to the Badger Small and moving Monona Grove to the Badger Large, you know, is an example of what I mean by in-conference proposals. So, you know, I would expect by spring, you know, we will know for the, 20, the fall of 22, you know, where we sit for a football only conference, um, you know, and from there, like I said, WI only has this for football only. Then the following year would be then for uh, all the sports except for football because they don't have a current proposal process for that. Yeah. So we'll have to kind of keep our eyes open for that and see where, where things shake out on that. We have a couple minutes left. I wanted to just briefly touch on kind of where things stand. We're, we're a few weeks away from, from when winter sports normally would start get getting moving i guess uh and, and obviously the fall season has been uh impacted and moved in in a lot of ways where do you see things um maybe going for for winter sports are, are we kind of already in a point where we're saying you know this is going to be pushed off the spring if possible or, or just maybe fill us in on on where things are are, are trending that way yeah, I don't see the WI making any more alter, you know, changes to their 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 calendar. You know, they they moved the the alternative fall or fall to alternative fall, you know, spring. So I don't see them making any changes. Um, you know, I think you know for our for our families, they'll they'll know in the short, you know, I would say early next week uh, of what direction we're heading in. You know, not much has changed around guidelines um, in regards to what Public Health Madison Dane County is allowing for us to do in Dane County is in regards to competitions. Um, you know, I think these cohort groups that we're starting on Monday the 19th um, will be a good sign or there'll be a good uh, avenue to show us what, you know, we're able to do and how successful those are, um, you know, and I think internally we need to keep just continuing to look at, um, you know, what guidelines, what restrictions we do have in place. Um, but, you know, I, Obviously, our parents, you know, in our community would like to know, um, you know, so that's why I'm saying early next week, we'll probably be rolling out our, our winter decision to our families. And and just so I understand it right, is the plan still to have a what I guess is termed an alternative fall season in the spring for football, for soccer, uh, the soccer that, that would play in the fall? Um, are those still... Uh, is competition still possible in in that uh, uh, that framework if if things accelerate to a point where where that's allowed here? Yeah, we're ready to you know we're ready to move forward. You know we move those there for the opportunity to give or for the chance to give our kids an opportunity. Um, you know obviously like I just got done saying, 
you know, we would need changes from the public health medicine in county, you know, um, you know, guidelines would have to be changed. Um, and I don't know where we stand with that. You know, I know where we stand right now, you know, down the road. I think it's all going to be based off metrics for them. And, um, you know, so I think just like we're taking winter day by day, uh, you know, week by week, we'll be doing the same with our, our fall alternative as well, too. Um, you know, and I, you just hope you get that opportunity uh, because there has been a great deal of planning because there was a whole lot of overlap between our fall and our and our spring sports. Um, you know, and our coaches did a ton of work to move games around and to work practices around to allow kids to still be three sport, two sport athletes that you want to see these kids get that opportunity. Um, and, you know, and you want to see these plans be able to get rolled out. Well, uh, we're just about out of time. So Eric, Nee, thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, and, uh, you know, best of luck pushing or putting all this together in a, in a way that, you know, can work out for, for students in, in Sun Prairie and, and getting them opportunities to, to get out and, and, and be active, I guess. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And Brad, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Eric, for all the information. And just for uh, everybody to know, uh, athletics is just one part of what we're doing. We also have the uh, secondary boundary task force happening too. And you can find that information on our website if you'd like more information of it, along with a variety of other committee information um, areas. Sounds great. For Brad Saren, I'm Todd Molesky. Thanks for listening to Homeroom with Brad Saren on 103.5 FM, The Sun Community Radio. 